You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Associate Minister Kirk McKenzie. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. My sister's colleague once said to her that they were really good at holding a grudge. What are you really good at? Well, the context for today's passage is that Jesus has been talking to the people that he's gathered with about sin. Sins when we start living outside the instructions that God's given us for how to live life. It's the bad stuff that we do and even the good things that we fail to do. And then his friend Peter has a question about forgiving sin. So forgiveness is when we stop feeling angry or resentful towards someone, particularly if they've sinned against us or perhaps sinned against the group. It's no longer wishing to take revenge on them. And so it's a, it's a reasonable question. And we see Peter come to Jesus and ask him this question specifically. In verse 21, he says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Uh, and it's kind of like, how long should I postpone revenge? <laughs> you know. Uh, now, he's been pretty generous here, actually, for a Jewish man in Jesus' time. The usual idea was that you would forgive someone three times. And if they do the same sin a fourth time, then it's like, that's enough. And you know, now you're able to take revenge on them and punish them for what they've done. So for him to say seven is significant. He's been quite generous with his suggestion here. And he's probably tapping in on the idea that a seven's quite a holy number in the Bible. You know, in the Old Testament, God rests on the seventh day. It was the seventh day of the week is a holy day of rest for God's people, still is. Uh, and there's this sense of completeness with the number seven uh, amongst God's people. So this is probably why Peter's chosen the number seven. 
And then Jesus' response in verse 22 is to say, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. In fact, when we translate numbers, sometimes it, we're not entirely sure uh, how to translate them correctly. So it could be 77 or it could be 70 times 7. Whatever the case, it's a lot more than 7. And so Jesus' point isn't to get the number technically correct and go, so forgive 77 times and then once they get to 78, then you can take revenge on them. But to actually say, no, it's way more than 7. Like, it's heaps more than 7, as in you keep on forgiving people. We never stop forgiving anyone. And then he goes on to tell a story about forgiveness. We've got this king who's got a servant who owes him just a huge amount of money. Like the word bajillion pops into my head. I've got Andy here with me. Uh, you have you heard the word bajillion before? Yeah, Andy? it's like it's like if you had a bajillion dollars, it's just you're the most richest person in the world. It's you know it's way more than a billion or a trillion or it's, so it's, it's made yeah, up. Yeah, like it's a crazy world. amount of money. Crazy. Is it? Yeah. Not not a real number, uh, but if you're a bajillionaire, someone's just trying to say that you have a ridiculous amount of money. And so I would say that the servant here owes the king a bajillion dollars. Now, we can we know this because of what Jesus says. Now, uh, the servant owes the king talents. Now, your translation might say bags of gold, but uh, in the original language is talents, right? So a talent was the highest unit of currency in that society. And then he owes 10,000 talents, and 10,000 was the highest Greek numeral. So basically what Jesus is saying is this guy owes the highest calculable amount of money that was possible in that society. He owes him a bajillion dollars in summary. And so this explains why the punishment for not being able to pay is so extreme. You know, verse 25, it says, Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Now, that verse might make us worry a little bit because in this story, the king is the character, is the like the, the godlike character, the character who's who's we compare with God, who is meant to represent God in in some way. And so we go, oh no, you know, the the character who represents God selling this guy's family has got into like slavery or selling people. But this is not the point. It's not the, to point out that God loves selling people. The point is that the debt that this guy owed is so extreme that just absolutely everything needs to be sold in order to cover it. Like it's just, he, he just owes an astronomical amount of money to the king. And the punishment is extreme. And this guy basically just begs for more time. Please, can you give us more time so I can pay it back? He's never going to be able to pay it back. This is the point. Like, he just owes so much. And yet, the twist comes in verse 27. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. Complete forgiveness. There's no payment plan like, oh, well, you can chip away at it. He doesn't knock 50% off and go, maybe you can pay back half over time. And it's not like there's a compelling speech made. It's just like a straight out beg, like, please, 
That's all. There's not like lots of excuses like why he owes so much or how he's going to be able to pay it back. It's just pure compassion from the master and everything is forgiven. All of the debt is cleared. No punishment. He's not going to pay for it in any way whatsoever. Here in this moment in the story, we see in, in the in the king's forgiveness of the debt, we get a sense of God's huge forgiveness available to everyone. And of course, Jesus telling us this story, uh, we then see in his life and, and in his death and in his resurrection, we see just how central forgiveness is to everything we believe as Christians. At the heart of Christianity is this huge forgiveness that God offers us. What Jesus achieved through his death and his rising to new life is the reality that everyone who puts their faith in Jesus receives complete forgiveness for all sins. And that costs us nothing. We don't have to earn it in any way. We haven't done anything to deserve it. All we need to do is to put our trust in Jesus and we receive this ridiculous amount of forgiveness from God doesn't cost us anything, but it does did cost Jesus his life. So this guy, this servant of the king, receives this incredible amount of forgiveness. Remember, it's a bajillion dollars. It's a crazy amount that he owes. It's all forgiven. Then he leaves and he sees someone who owes him some money. And it's not an insignificant amount of money, but it's not a huge amount like he owed either. We estimate it's around about 100 days wages of a common foot soldier in that time. That's what scholars sort of put it around about that amount. So it's a, it's a reasonable amount of money, but it's not, it's not crazy. Does he forgive this guy? No. He chases him, he attacks him, and he demands that the guy owes everything. And the guy begs him for mercy uses the same words that the servant used to the king earlier to ask for more time to pay it back, but receives the opposite response. No mercy, no forgiveness. He's thrown in jail until he can pay it back. Now, of course, the story could just end there, right? You're smart. You get the point of this story, don't you? The servant has done the wrong thing. He should not have responded in this way. The forgiveness that's been shown by the king to his servant should surely have been passed on from the servant to this person who owed him money. We can all see that as we, see this, as we read this story. This is the obvious lesson of the story. Now, often when Jesus tells stories in the Bible, he doesn't Leave, he doesn't finish with an explanation. He just finishes the story and leaves it at that and lets us work it out. But in this situation, that's not what happens. He gives a really clear ending to the story and then he rams it home with an explanation. So let's have a look. People notice what the servant's done. They, call, they, t they dob on him. They take him back to the king and the king calls him uh, back into his chambers. And this is what the king says, or does in verse 34. 
In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. And then Jesus gives this explanation in verse 35. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So what goes from being a a story about being kind and forgiving to each other ends with this like, oh, whoa, okay, like dire warning about the consequences of not passing on the gift of forgiveness to each other. I mean, the lesson of the, the, the story is still the same, but it ends with this warning of, of and you better make sure you, you learn this lesson and that you apply it to your life. Now, just a quick comment on verse 34 before we continue. Uh, when we see that the master hands the guy over, the servant over to the jailers to be tortured, or some translations say to do hard labor, we might jump to the conclusion that, oh, Jesus is saying something about hell here and what hell's like. I just don't think that's a legitimate connection to be drawing at this point. This is a story about forgiveness. This is not a story about what hell's like, and I don't think we need to be making that connection uh, whatsoever. I just think that would be drawing unnecessary connections. Just wanted to make that comment. What Jesus has done in this story multiple times is be really exaggerated in the type of examples and language that he's used. He's done that with the money. It's just a crazy amount of money that's owed. And he's doing it again here with the punishment or the consequences to the servant for failing to hand on the forgiveness. So it's it's really a story full of exaggeration. And I think the, the consequences here are part of that. Just to really emphasize the points in the story. So what we see here is that uh, we don't have the capacity to forgive at God's level because the king represents God and the king can forgive this crazy amount. But we, as normal people, and, and the servant represents you know, the average person, we are still expected to pass on the good gift of forgiveness that is given to us. And the story finishes with this serious warning to say that this is not an optional extra to the Christian life. This is a requirement. This is important. Hear it. This is not the only time Jesus teaches about this. Uh, He teaches about the importance of forgiving each other at other times in the Bible, perhaps most famously in the Lord's Prayer, which we pray regularly at church. Uh, So if you know the words of the Lord's Prayer, uh, we say, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. It's part of the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. It's uh, just central to life following Jesus. So what's life like if it's not central to living? If we don't embrace forgiveness, if we leave forgiveness off to the side, what what are we left with without forgiveness in our lives? Well, Jesus actually does touch on this in a very subtle way in the passage. Uh, If you're a real Bible nerd and you love to look up all the connections uh, throughout the Bible, then you might like to research the connection that verse 22 has 
with Genesis chapter 4. I'm going to summarize it very briefly for us now. Jesus references a comment by a, a guy called Lamech in Genesis chapter 4. Lamech's one of those guys in the Bible who is an anti-role model, someone we are definitely not to look up to and definitely not to follow the example of. And to summarize the words of Lamech in Genesis 4, he basically says, hey, if anyone harms me, they're going to be paid back 77 times. He's going to take revenge on anyone who hurts him times 77. And so what Jesus is doing by responding to Peter's question, by saying we're going to forgive people 77 times, is saying, hey, you've heard Lamech, and you know Peter's a Jewish guy, he'd know the, the Old Testament really well, he'd know Genesis 4. He'd say, you might have heard Lamech say, take revenge 77 times. Well, I say, take forgiveness 77 times. And here's the thing, if we don't forgive, what we are left with is revenge. We're left with bitterness. We're left with resentment. And history would tell us that these things suck. <laughs> they do so much damage. They just put us in such a terrible spiral of conflict and hurt, and it really just messes up life together. You know, I was talking to a friend not that long ago who had to flee the Croatian-Serbian war when they were kids. And, and their concern is that the bitterness and uh, the hurt that's left over from that war that ended decades ago has not gone. And that kids who are growing up who have not um, you know, who, who don't remember the war, who weren't alive then, uh, are picking up on that and, and are potentially going to grow up holding on to that bitterness. And, and their concern is that it's not gone and, and that forgiveness hasn't happened and that that old conflict is going to rear its head again someday and that the cycle of violence is going to continue. Now, hopefully that doesn't happen, but the concern is that it may come back. And of course, we do see this happen uh, from time to time. It's not just on a national scale either. Uh, you know, it happens in families and it's just in relationships. In my own extended family, there are siblings who haven't talked to each other in decades. And when I share that fact with other people, I discover that this, unfortunately, is not a rare occurrence, that it's a reality in quite a lot of families. Last year, we saw the death of someone who is very committed to forgiveness as a follower of Jesus, Archbishop Desmond Tutu. Uh, he was a really key leader in the ending to apartheid in South Africa. You know, apartheid was where uh, lots of racial segregation and you know, just terrible um, race relations between blacks and whites in South Africa. And so he embraced forgiveness as he sought to lead, uh, be one of the key leaders in leading that country out of such a terrible part of their history. And he says this, without forgiveness, there is no future. We can't move forward without forgiveness. But of course, the reality is, and he knew this as well as anyone, forgiveness is hard. I mean, our passage today makes this pretty clear, doesn't it? What does 
the forgiveness costs the king. It costs him a bajillion dollars. It's a huge cost to the king to forgive the servant. You know, Desmond Tutu himself says that forgiveness is not facile or cheap. It is a costly business that makes those who are willing to forgive even more extraordinary. You know, forgiveness is difficult. Forgiving someone who has hurt us or asking for forgiveness for something that we've done wrong. And it's costly. It can be hard to do. But sometimes hard things are really, really good. And forgiveness is really, really good. Uh, Stan Grant, an ABC journalist, wrote a fantastic article about Desmond Tutu after his death. I encourage you to look it up. Just write Stan Grant, Desmond Tutu, you should be able to find it. Um, and he said, we cannot just move on. We live in history, but history need not live in us. We don't have to hold on to our grudges. We don't have to be defined by our bitterness. We can receive God's forgiveness. We can forgive others and that will bring us freedom. Forgiveness is not just an instruction that we've got from God because it's something we ought to do. It actually brings really good things to our life. It brings us wonderful freedom individually and into our communities and to all our relationships. And so what I want to do as we head to the end of the talk today is to talk to us about forgiveness, perhaps at three levels, some, some easier levels of forgiveness and then harder and then some really tough stuff. Now, all this forgiveness flows out of the fact that God has first forgiven us uh, and that, that has been ultimately expressed and ultimately achieved through what Jesus has done through his death and resurrection. So as we think about this, have that in mind, that uh, you know, God has first forgiven us and now we have this opportunity to forgive each other. So let's think about forgiving in a sort of day-to-day -day sense, as in these are smaller things, uh, they're not rocking our world, they're day-to-day -day things where, yeah, we, we get things wrong, we stuff up, maybe someone says something mean, or you know, or we do something that, that annoys someone or um, inconveniences them, or, or just, you know, they're, they're not terrible things, but they're things that are worth apologizing for and seeking forgiveness for. I think what we'll usually say in day-to-day conversation in Melbourne is when someone says sorry for something, we'll usually say, that's okay, or don't worry about it, no worries. Here's what I recommend. Instead of saying those phrases, there's nothing wrong with those, I'd recommend changing that to, I forgive you. See the difference? When you do that, honestly, it, it feels good to say I forgive you. And when you're asking when you're saying sorry to someone, when you're apologizing, why not ask for forgiveness? So you say, I'm, I'm sorry for that thing that I've done wrong. I'm, I'm sorry that hurt you. I'm sorry to stuff you around. Could you please forgive me? And actually just start to include it as part of your everyday life, uh, making forgiveness just part of your natural habits. This is what I'm recommending, just to start you know, making it just a normal thing that you do. So that when we come to some harder things, 
you're already well practiced and it's already something that you know you do every day now the harder stuff this is where we start to struggle okay so you might go this is harder because the thing that i've done it's hard to ask forgiveness for this because i feel ashamed of what i've done or you feel it's hard to forgive because the hurt that has been done it cuts deep you know it burns so uh, i mean andy have you have you heard that phrase forgive and forget yeah of course it's like if you know you you want someone to get over it and and move on and and you know don't bring it up again and yeah, yeah yeah it's in the past yeah it's a common it's a common phrase forgive and forget and um that can, I think, be really helpful, perhaps at that easier level that we were just talking about. But when I think we get to this more deeper forgiveness, uh, I'd suggest forgive and forget is not that helpful because it's got that sense of like, come on, man, just move on. And with these deeper levels of forgiveness, I'm not sure that's possible or actually appropriate. Um, for example, I don't think that Forgiving someone for these more serious things automatically means that you're going to go back to where the relationship was previously. That may not be possible and it may not be appropriate. For example, particularly in an abusive situation, it may be inappropriate for that relationship to return to where it was in the past. You can forgive someone. Remember, you're not holding a grudge. You're not resenting that person. You don't wish to take any revenge against them. You've let all that go, but you're not just moving on and getting straight back to being best friends with them, you know, or becoming best friends with them necessarily. That doesn't have to be the case. We can also forgive someone and still allow appropriate consequences to proceed. So for example, if the police were involved and somebody's being charged, we can forgive that person for the crime they've committed, but still allow the police to follow things through and if they have to go to court and those sort of things, we can still give a statement telling the truth about what happened whilst also forgiving that person for what they've done. Uh, it doesn't mean that we have to go to the police and say, let them go, you know, don't, you know, and, and or lie and try and get them, you know, let off or whatever. So these things, uh, can play out yeah and, and this is where forgiveness can be extra hard because it's complicated so it's not just forgive and just forget like oh it never happened and it didn't have any consequences the consequences of what happened might continue to stick with you and you'll need to work through those and seek healing i'd also want to say though as much as sometimes the relationship will not be able to restored be restored sometimes it can be and actually sometimes it can be restored to a level that it was never at before like a way better level because if you think about it you know maybe your, your relationship with someone was at a reasonably surface level and because you've done the hard work of really working through some forgiveness you've actually gone way deeper with each other and if it's appropriate, you can actually move through that. And when you come out the other side of it and forgiveness has happened and reconciliation has happened, you'll actually find you've got a much deeper relationship than you did before. And you may be able to move forward uh, with a quite remar remarkable relationship in the, uh, into the future. And I've heard some absolutely amazing stories 
of how forgiveness is turned around. Uh, you know, for example, you know, if you're familiar with the genocide in Rwanda and the horrible things that happened as one tribe fought another, just the incredible atrocities that were done one to another there. Some of the forgiveness and reconciliation that has happened between those two groups and the people who are now friends despite the things that were done to each other in that country, only God's forgiveness and the work of the Holy Spirit can have done what's, what's happened there. Incredible stuff, but the relationship that's come out of it, amazing because of the forgiveness that God has worked in people's lives there. And so that brings me to the really deep forgiveness. This is the type of situation where someone might say, the thing that I've done is so bad, I don't believe I can be forgiven. Or someone says, I can't forgive that. You know, I can forgive most things, but not that. I've heard both these things said by multiple people over the years. Or perhaps you're in a situation where you've offered someone forgiveness and they haven't received it they've knocked it back, or you've asked for forgiveness and it's been refused. So you've tried to seek reconciliation and they don't want it. This has happened to me on actually reasonably minor things, actually. Um, or the person you want to have do some forgiveness with is simply unavailable. You can't track them down, you've got no way of contacting them, or they've died. And so these are the really hard ones where you just feel like, I don't know if I don't know if forgiveness is even possible here. It feels like it's impossible. Now, of course, as we said, all forgiveness starts with God. It starts with what Jesus has achieved. And in these moments, you're right. Forgiveness is impossible if it's just up to us. If it's just going to be in your strength, if it's just going to be in my strength, if it's just going to be us just thinking our way through it, it's not going to happen. We have to call on the spirit of the risen Jesus to get involved. And this is where we see God just do amazing things, transforming our heart, transforming the hearts of other people and doing his incredible work of restoration and helping us to reach a point of forgiveness that in our own strength, we could never have done at all. So what I'd like to do today is just finish our teaching time together by praying for people who perhaps feel you're in this last category, feel that you, the forgiveness is impossible unless God gets involved. So let's pray now. God, first, can I please pray for the people who feel that what they have done is unforgivable? And I just call on the truth that, that you came to save everyone without exception. And we see this truth over and over again in your word. You know, Jesus didn't come to save the healthy, but to save the sick. And that your sacrifice was made once and for all. No exception. And so I pray for anyone who feels that they are not forgivable, that you would get to work through your spirit right now and fill them up with your spirit and your love and show them that they are forgiven through what you have achieved in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. 
wherever they are right now, I don't know where they're watching, Lord, you know, uh, watching on their phone, TV, computer, whatever room they're in right now, could you give them a sense, a clear sense, that they are forgiven through Jesus. And also pray for those who have been hurt by the sins of another and who are struggling to forgive them. Perhaps they want to forgive them because they want to follow you. They want to be free of the, the hurt and, the, and the, the damage that the evil has done, but just can't get there. Could you please help them? Could you please give that same power of your, your resurrection to them so that they, they can forgive, so that they can let go of bitterness, they can let go of a desire to um, take revenge, of any sense of a, of a grudge, of resentment, that these things that would weigh them down and that would cause them to stumble, that would cause them um, harm, that you would free them from these things. But we know it's not making excuses for what's been done to them. That was wrong. And we know that you stand against that. But we don't want this to be a weight around their neck. We want you to set them free from it. And so we ask in Jesus' name that you would. We thank you for your great love and for forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.